Now on the tee, it's Maddie and the Caddy. Here's Matt Barry and Michael Collins. It is a late afternoon edition of your Tuesday Tea Time Dysfunction alongside the Caddy. Michael Collins. I am the Maddie Matt Barry. We appreciate you downloading, subscribing, and listening to Maddie and the Caddy and the podcast. As always, hit us up on social media. Maddie and Caddy. Maddie and the word and Caddy. C-A-D-D-I-E. That is both Instagram and Twitter. And I have a story right out of the gate of a podcast. I've been waiting to do this particular podcast for five years. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, today's guest, Curtis Strange. An unbelievable conversation about the Ryder Cup. Oh, yeah. This is going to be our Ryder Cup preview podcast. You do not want to miss what Curtis Strange had to say. Just a remarkable conversation with him. That coming up. But first, the story of why the podcast is late. So Collins and I, are we we typically have a long-distance relationship because of our setup with me, my hosting duties in Bristol, and Collins' golf duties out on the PGA Tour. Correct. Well, this week... This week, our long distance is I am sitting here at ESPN LA because I am here for a promotional shoot, and Collins is in Paris, France, nine hours away. Normally, at least we're in the same time zone. Yeah. So now we're nine hours different right now. (laughs) We're in different hemispheres, but here's why it's late. We we had only this one person would make plan. this happen. Yeah, only one person could make us do this. Had this great plan, taped it on Tuesday. It was great. Curtis Strange, Ryder Cup. We were full disclosure on Thursday. We said, "Hey, listen, we've taped this prior to the start of the Tour Championship, so we get the taping. To. Great, right? Great hour episode. You run your way to Paris. I was on my way out here to L.A. for the promotional shoot." And the one thing we said, we literally put our headphones down, talked with our producer. Last thing we said is, like, you know, the only person that could screw this up, right, is Tiger. <laughs> but what are the chances? I mean, seriously, what are the chances that Tiger would win the Tour Championship and then we would have to find a way through a nine-hour time difference on different continents to figure out how to come back and now do another? You know what we should do? We should save... What? I, you know what? The original opening that we did, we yeah. should save that. And that could be part of one of the lost pieces to the podcast as well. Because like, we have a lost episode, and now we actually have a lost opening. How about this? Because you're going to be gallivanting through the Parisian hills next week. Maybe we just drop that opening next week because we're not going to tape one next week. Yeah, because I'm going to be... I'm actually I'm walking the Eiffel Tower, which, by the way, it's bad form. We'll get we we need to get to Tiger, but it's bad form that after the Ryder Cup we're not going to do one. We're going to have to find a way to make this work. We're going to have to do something. You think so? Maybe you know what? Here's what I'll do for the Patriots. Because look, this is here's okay. the, what so do you mean the, you well, think so? Well, here's the problem. Well, remember we did do one right after the Open Championship. I'm going to get Wingo. That night. Wait, you're going to replace me? No, we can look, if you can find it in your heart to work after the Ryder Cup for an hour, then we'll keep you. Well, you're the one that's going to have to make the time <laughs> adjustment. No, I would think. We'll, we'll get it figured out. We'll get it figured out. All this is to say uh, we'll figure out next week. But we had to readjust our plans because of Tiger Woods finding himself. And there, there, there are three layers of this I want to get to. Here's the first layer. 
And don't worry, from here in perpetuity, I will drop you I told you so's until I can't drop you I told you so's anymore. But I want to start <laughs> with I got, I would lo- I got a line from Samuel L. Jackson because he's here. What did he say? At the Ryder yeah. Cup. You know? Now, remember, I'm quoting this, so there's going to be some bleeps, okay? But this verbatim right. is what Samuel L. Jackson just told me on the 18th green as he was playing in the Celebrity Ryder Cup match that they had here okay. in Paris, France, before the Ryder Cup got started. He goes, how about our boy? And I was like, how about that? And he goes, quote, all of those that try to say that they believe the whole time are some lying mo- <laughs> I go close yep, quote. Close quote. And I said to him, it's amazing how many people came out the woodwork and said I always believed. And then Samuel said again, and I quote, those again are some lying nobody, nobody oh, the whole time he was hurt thought, yeah. No, Samuel was wrong. Samuel no, was wrong. I was no, one of those people. No. I was one of those people that said Numerous times, numerous times, maybe not on the podcast because we weren't on the record yet here on the podcast, but I would tell anyone who listened in our golf coverage when we were doing the Masters, when we were doing the U.S. Open, we were having all these conversations. My biggest thing with Tiger was that he didn't just overnight lose his otherworldly skill set that made him the most talented player in the history of the game. He was compensating for injuries. And if he could get the injuries figured out, he wasn't just going to lose this Tiger Woods, which is to say a once-in-a-lifetime talent. He was compensating for things that happened to his back. We were waiting to see if he could get fixed. He got fixed. What you're trying to get me to believe is that at no point ever, at no point ever through all the injuries and all the surgeries, did you not go, man, it might be over. I did. Again, I quote Samuel L. Jackson, and I quote: "You can quote you Samuel L. All mother- you want. <laughs> you can quote him all you want. Okay. It was just too- I can't wait till we get him on the podcast, before. and I want to see the one expression on his face when you tell him that, because you know I'm gonna bring it up. And number two, then I want to see your reaction when he gives you that look and then says that to you." All right, I've got text messages. I've got text messages with people that date back of me talking about Tiger. Our one of our executives that, that that runs golf at ESPN, Mike McQuaid. He and I would have conversations. He would look at me like I came into his office with my pants down. Like, what are you? What are you talking about? What are you? Probably doing? have done that. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, look, look, Tiger. And but but Michael, neither here nor there. Whether we thought this would happen, the fact that it did. Yeah. Now changes the conversation in golf for the next three to four years because what we saw Maybe. on Sunday yes. with that crowd and that gallery and that finish says to me that took us back 15 years to the heyday of Tiger, and it was one of the greatest things I've seen in sports in probably the last three to four years. It proves the point that I have been screaming to the heavens for as long as people would listen to me and as long as I've had a microphone and have talked golf. And that is, Tiger Woods is not the needle. Like, he doesn't just move the needle. He's the needle, the stand it's on, and the shipping crate it came in. That he still, and 
I don't know for how long it will be, but it is right now, and it has been forever. He changes the sport, not just not just the ratings. He changes the sport itself. It's and, and you know what I'll say about that. You're a hundred percent right because. Golf had a moment where we had to get on without Tiger Woods, and it couldn't. We tried with Jordan Spieth. And no, Jordan I wouldn't Spieth say couldn't. Nice. I wouldn't say couldn't. No, you, oh, you, I, you want me to email you data of numbers that said that it couldn't survive without? Yeah, him? but the numbers weren't zero. The numbers were down significantly. Numbers well, of course. weren't where. But that's my that's my point in this whole matter. If, if golf was going to make the attempt to get on post-Tiger, look, the NBA had this moment post-Michael, before LeBron, and before this second wave of Hall before of Famers. Before Kobe. There was a period, right, there was a period where it wasn't good for the NBA because they were trying to figure out how to get on without Michael Jordan, and golf was trying to do that. And even when we had Jordan versus Bubba at the Masters in 2014, which was one of the greatest back and forth in Masters history, no, like the number, no one cared. No one watched except hardcore golf fans. And that's the difference between Tiger and everybody else. Tiger made people, Tiger probably beat the NFL for that half hour he was playing 17, 18 and walk it up. Yeah. And that's just, it's so amazing. The, the amount of people who went, at, like my phone in Paris was blowing up. Like, can you believe this is happening? This is real. I got people texting me saying, I'm crying watching because I'm so happy. And people were saying, I'm screaming in my house. I mean, I was screaming in the hotel room because it was. But I for, I believe that's partly because of that notion that people were not afraid to go. I thought there was a chance that we would never see this. And I don't. I don't, and there was. Yeah, that's that's. There was a good chance. I I always remember starting off this comeback because it was last year at the Hero, and I remember like you know the crazy fans. So his crazy fans at the Hero were like, he's gonna come back and he's gonna intimidate all these dudes and he's gonna get back to what the old Tiger was. And I remember asking him at the at the end of a press conference, Tiger. I got all these crazy people on Twitter, like that you can't tell them nothing, that are saying like you just going, you come back, you going to be. What do I tell these people? I want to tell them. Look, I talk to Tiger myself. What do I tell them? And he goes, Mike, just tell them all I'm trying to do is hit a fairway, and then if I hit the first fairway, cool. If I hit the green, that'd be nice. Like within 15 feet, that's all I'm trying to do is on the first hole. I just want to. Hit a shot and hope it's in the fairway. And then, and, and I was like, hot dog. And flash forward to this past week. And it was like, okay, we've seen Tiger put a couple of good rounds together. Seriously, can he really do this for a fourth day in a row? And that was going to be six of the last eight weeks that he's played. This guy who at one point, when we, again, when we was at the hero walking on the practice rounds, he was telling me, Mike, there was a time that someone had to help lean me over, and I couldn't get out of bed, and I was literally peeing yeah, he in couldn't a bucket. Sit. Yeah, he was he peeing in sit. a bucket he, next to his the, bed, and someone had to lean him over because he couldn't move himself. And now this dude wins the tour championship, 
and almost won the FedEx Cup. Like we had, we're owned by Disney. We don't write movies like that. No, and that's what I. I think it's. I would. I know. Look, we're we're prisoner of the moment, but I can't think of a better comeback in sports history. And if you looked at Tiger, this was his 18th tournament this year. Also, by the way, what a great way to get his 80th career win. Uh, but awesome. if you look at if you look at Tiger's progression throughout these 18 tournaments, Michael, if you would have listened to your co-host here on Maddie and the Caddy, <laughs> you would you could pick out different podcasts where I said, okay. The driver wasn't there. He's got that figured out. He's got to get that in play. And then your responsibility is big. Oh, he's never in play. Tiger. Okay, he'll get the driver worked out. Then he had the putter issue where he went away from Scotty to a, a Volkswagen Beetle on a stick, back to a Scotty Cameron like a poser, and and then back to the Scotty Cameron. He got the putter figured out. It was it. You, we basically we watched him, Michael, through the course of four days at Eastlake with the narrow fairways. We saw him round by round pick up confidence, swing by swing. And I am convinced on that front nine on Saturday when he birdied six of his first seven holes, when Mm. he started that round and he went on that run, to me, you could see it. It clicked. He's like, all right, I've got it. We're winning this tournament. I remember. I think that first birdie on Sunday on number one. Yeah. I think because even Tiger has nerves. You know, he talks about having nerves, you know, feeling the butterflies and whatnot. So I think knowing he knew the position that he was in and how long it had been since he had been in that position, standing on the tee on Sunday with a three-shot lead, the fact that he made birdie on the first hole. But, you know, even Tiger said it in his press conference here at the Ryder Cup because, of course, everyone wanted to ask him about it. But even he said he missed in all the right places. Yep. And that's what it's always been about for Tiger. It's never about him fi- hitting the middle of the fairway every single time because he just doesn't do that. But if he misses in the right misses. places, yeah, that's and that's the game of golf. Golf is not a game of perfect. That's why they named that book after it. And it's all about Dr. Bob Bratella. That's one of the best golf books that you can read. If you play golf and you really want to understand the psychology of golf, read golf. That's a good book. That's a really Dr. Bob Rattella's book. It was the first one he wrote, and it's probably the best one they wanted. I think it's his best one. Um, and that's that's what's good to see Tiger. I like when Tiger doesn't hit it perfect, but you can see the confidence that he has hitting the next shot. Going, oh, I got this. Yep, that that's, that's right what's, because that's a, yeah. Because he said there were a couple of times where you're watching that tournament. And when he got up to the tee, when he knows that he got on a driver, he knows that he's in the fairway, the way that he was hitting his irons, there were a couple of times where he was in that distance between like about 122 and 128, 130. You knew he was sticking it inside 10 feet, and he knew he was going to do it. And the confidence <laughs> and the people he was playing with. Yeah. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. That was part two of what I was going to say before you started quoting Samuel L. Jackson. But the my favorite part, one of my favorite parts of the tournament – uh, it was Johnny Miller. Uh, one point, one point, Tiger gets up to the tee, and Johnny goes, "Well, let's see if he could keep it out of the right rough." And Tiger goes three forty-five. Mayor's office twirls the club. <laughs> I like the Johnny Miller line after Tiger made a putt, and Johnny goes, "And that distance right there is why uh, I started announcing." 
Because <laughs> even like, now he knows he's got no chance against Tiger. Yeah, that's what. And speaking of no chance, how how much you think Rory is hoping that he don't see Tiger no more? I love the short Thank you. attention span and memory of everyone, people who were coming out going, "Hey, I think Rory's gonna take Tiger down." Uh, wait, did you not remember what happened in L.A. when they were paired together? Like, everyone forgot about L.A. He played the first two rounds with Tiger Woods, and after both rounds said that he got a headache and he doesn't know how Tiger does it, that Tiger, this was Rory said, Tiger gives up a shot and a half to the field every time he tees it up because of the craziness around him. Nah, Rory, Tiger takes a shot and a half from the field and whoever plays with them. Rory gives up like four shots every time he Thank plays you. in that madness because when Tiger was going and Rory rose and everyone was like, Rory's the next one. He's the guy. He's And every, we were all trying to say, yes, he is. But even if you combine Rory, Jordan, Dustin, Justin, uh, Brooks, and Ricky, even though Ricky ain't win a major yet, combine all of them dudes together and you don't have what Tiger had to go through as far as All right, stop was. there. Stop there. Part two of what I was getting at with Tiger that you have fought me on since we've started this podcast. You've fought what? me on this forever. When I said Tiger was going to win again and Tiger was going to win another major, you listed those same players of, no, he ain't, because he's got to go through this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. What I saw on Sunday and the first time that Rory and Tiger repaired to the final group on a Sunday is I saw Rory wilt in front of the pressure, and he couldn't take the greatness of Tiger Woods. Guess and whose none name? Of these other young, guess whose name? None of these I other young players mention. can't either. Hold on, there's two different things though. Because guess whose name I did not mention when I said about the guys coming up, Rory. Who? You know why? Because I I seen Rory's action with Tiger, and I know that's but he's no, no, the no, no, one no. guy who can't hang. I'm talking big picture because it's all well and good when these guys are dominating a tour sans Tiger. It's all well and good because they don't have to deal with it. It's even all well and good when they don't have to be paired with them. But if you put Jordan, we had this argument. If you put Spieth and Tiger in a final group on a Sunday, Jordan doesn't stand a chance. Yeah, I'm not going there. I'm not going to say I that. I don't understand. I'm not going to say that. Jordan playing at his best. Jordan being Jordan, Jordan, Jordan who won, Jordan who won the Masters. That Jordan Spieth, yeah, he ain't without scared. Tiger, yeah, yeah. That the Jordan Spieth that won the Masters, I put him on a Sunday final group with Tiger any day, and he'll hold his own. But this is to say, Michael, that that with all of these young players that took advantage of a few year window where Tiger was trying to find himself personally, professionally, and with his injury, they haven't had to compete in the same field that Phil did, that Ernie Els did. Completely that some agree. of these other players did. So they I don't know what it's like. Completely agree. But you know what? The the other thing that you have to admit too is this Tiger Woods is not that Tiger Woods. No, you're right. Like that Tiger Woods that Tiger Woods back then who was going against Phil and beating Ernie and wearing VJ out, that Tiger Woods didn't he didn't have any guys he hung out with. Like on the golf, he didn't have any golfers 
that he was hanging with other than Marco Mira. And the only reason he was hanging with Marco Mira was because he could whoop his behind every day. And they were neighbors. Like, yeah. Like, but he didn't have any people. He didn't. None of his contemporaries did he hang out with. Where, like, Jordan and Justin and Smiley and Ricky, like, them dudes all hang out together. Well, guess who hangs out with him in Jupiter? Guess who even gave him credit for getting him back on the golf course to play so much? This Tiger Woods. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and like, guess who's gonna be? The, guess who's gonna be the same guy when they go between the ropes and is gonna want to stomp their head in? It's Tiger, and they don't know what that's like. Yeah, but they also know. You think Tiger is? He takes all their money all the time when they play at home. Yeah, but that's they. Oh, well, well, that's a that's a bad example because no, it's not. And this is why I'm that. telling you because there's it's here's what's different. What's different is like I like I was saying before, Ernie never played practice rounds with Tiger Woods like just at right. home for fun. So like you, Justin already know. Like Justin Thomas is a great example. So okay. when they asked Justin Thomas, "Hey, what you going to do when Tiger like goes up to the tee and now he don't talk to you?" And Justin goes, "I'm going to do the same thing I always do." Like, it's all right. If he wants to play it like that, cool. Play, it, bring it. Like that's what I mean. It's it's completely different. It's completely different when your friend big times you as opposed to Tiger Woods, the intimidating Tiger from 2000, 2004, 2007. Like, that dude was intimidating because when he stepped to the tee, I never played no practice rounds with him at home. We never had lunch together. Like, we didn't hang out. I didn't wait for him. That was the other thing that was cool. When Tiger won, think of all the guys that were standing there waiting for him. Cooch, Ricky, Bryson, Justin. That was an awesome moment. It was the same thing Tiger did for Brooks at the at the PGA Championship. You ever see Tiger Woods back in the day waiting for anybody? Yeah, but Michael, you're you're taking this at a very psychological level. With I, I don't take, think that's I don't think that's what's in play here. What I think well, is in play intimidation is, the is of all psychology. Of intimidation is all psychology. That's all psychology. It's getting in somebody's head. That's what I mean. The reason that the, the, the reason that people couldn't play with Tiger back in the day is because they were so scared being around him that they couldn't play their own game. That's intimidation. That's that's your head. I see Not what your you're game. saying, but that I get it. That, great. I'm glad that they're all friends now. I'm fine with that. I think it's good for the sport. But Tiger doesn't need to be intimidating Tiger like back in the day that he does now because. The thousands of people in the gallery do that for him because now these players are dealing with a Tiger mania, an intimidation, the roars, the game within the game, the putting, the walking up to the green. That's a whole different type of intimidation that these players didn't have to deal with. Friends or not, that's stuff that they can't control. That is true. But again, Y.E. Yang showed everyone how to beat Tiger. You've got your playbook. You go to the same. You go to the same example. That's because it works. Yang. It's because it, that's the problem. It's not going to be perfect. It's it's not that Y Yang was not perfect that day, and neither and Tiger, no, Tiger wasn't perfect on Sunday either. I'm just I I still believe, and this is where people get confused. This is where I got killed on Twitter 
was because everybody came out the woodwork and was like, yeah, see, Tiger showed you. Show me what? I, I've been saying forever that I believe Tiger's going to win golf tournaments. I completely believe that. I still think he's going to dominate in golf tournaments. I still think he's going to get more. Next year, He's gonna. it's going to be a great year for Tiger next year. But he's everyone now is going to be, wait until we get to the Masters. Wait until we get to the Masters. Like the Masters, it's a long time from now. Let's start out with Torrey Pines. Let's start there. He's won there, I don't know, 137 times. Let's, let's go there and see how we do. The other thing Tiger did that he never used to do too, Tiger never missed cuts. He missed two cuts this year. Healthy Tiger mm-hmm. missed two cuts. One of them was the U.S. Open. Like, Okay. Yeah, but and that's that goes okay. Into... That's okay. We just I'm trying to get people I'm what I'm trying to do is make sure that people temper their expectations and don't don't go all in like hey, now the Tigers back, he's going to win all four majors next year. Then he's like he's already the betting favorite in Vegas, but that's only cuz Everyone has a short memory. It's the same thing with the European media that they did with, hey, Rory's, Rory's got a chance to take Tiger to the Tour Championship. No, he, y'all forgot LA already? Like, it ain't been nine months. So Tiger, this Look, dude, it's great what he's done, but win ma- multiple majors again? Like, he's going to catch Jack. Come on. He's no, 22. no, see, I, Come yeah, and I, and I do think people are, are, are getting ahead of themselves with where they think Tiger's going to go. All this was this weekend was the culmination of a comeback that we've seen different pieces of. And he did miss cuts, but I don't care that he missed cuts because it was just the next tournament trying to figure things out. And we saw glimpses of it at the Valspar. We saw glimpses of it at different tournaments. He was in contention at Bay Hill. He then got in contention and was actually leading the Open Championship on a Sunday. Same with the PGA Championship. So we just saw little snippets of Tiger greatness, and we were waiting for him to put all of those together into one, and he did. What that means from here, I don't know. I legitimately think if this Tiger Woods that showed up this weekend, if if Eastlake Tiger shows up at Augusta, he wins the Masters going away. I firmly believe that. Will that happen? I don't know. But what I do know sitting here taping this podcast in L.A. while you're in Paris is that Tiger has the ability that we saw this weekend to now put it together and win tournaments. I completely agree. He has the ability to put it together and win tournaments. Tournaments. Majors are a different think, what do you, How do you think, uh, now that we, you know, we may as well take advantage of, of taping this late on Tuesday because of our travels, what's been the atmosphere at the Ryder Cup with Tiger coming over there with a victory? Ooh, it, it's, it's different. So, of course, they were out practicing today, and it was Tiger and Phil with Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed. And all the talk now, the buzz, and Phil didn't, he threw gas on the fire, but the buzz is that Tiger and Phil are going to play together. Oof. I know. I know. So, and, you know, everyone's talking about four ball. So it's just Tiger and Phil playing together. Instead of playing alternate shot, both of them play their own golf ball, put them out three times in four ball. Like, imagine that right there and you know phil kind of talked about how they're at both of them are in a place in their life where they're they're both not only ready to do it but would be Uh cool and almost want to do it 
because they both. The, what the Tigers the, only won one Ryder Cup on the in. He's but the last seven he's won one. Phil's never won one on the road, never. So their Ryder Cup record for their teams is not good yeah. at all. So the the fact that the two of them kind of want to come together and go, let's do this together. It's a, that just gives me goosebumps, dude. Thinking about the fact that those two are like, all right, man, you know what? Me and you. <laughs> just go, and think, I just picture the two of them you like even bad want boys. Phil this on is the bad team. boys three. What? You didn't even want. You didn't even want Phil on the roster. See, look. What did I say <laughs> when it comes to Phil? And someone Phil asked him that, and he wouldn't roster. answer. It. Even Phil said, "Phil said this is in all likelihood this is my last." team event that was the last thing he said of course he started by talking about how the coffee over here and the bread is so much better and then he looks at me <laughs> in the middle of everybody sitting in this thing and he goes you know what i mean right mike and of course the whole place explodes laughing and i was like bro i'm not gonna lie he was like i had bread last night i was like last night he goes i had two pieces <laughs> of bread last night and i go last night dude i had two croissants uh, less than an hour ago, and of course the whole room busts up laughing again, and even Phil's laughing. So it was great. So I said, and and I still think this. My fear is that this is Phil's last Ryder Cup, and I don't want it to be away from home. I want Phil's last Ryder Cup to be home in the U.S. No, hell no. Go, no, 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 no. Go overseas. Go grab it. Go take what's theirs over there and bring it back. No way. It's, it's ours right game. now, and I want us to keep it and bring it home. That's I just, what I'm saying. But we I just, what are we, I'm what, nostalgic. Years? I'm just nostalgic because I, I know what Phil means to the United States golf fans, and I know that there's been two big separate Tiger and Phil camps that are slowly also trying to – they maybe not even trying, but might be trying to make peace as well since the two of them are making peace. And I just think – if you had a chance to put that super group in the United States together and that's their swan song, like the two of them, like it's, that literally is Bad Boys Part 3. Like that's Will Smith and Martin Lawrence as Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods back-to-back like guns blazing going out in a room full of bad guys. Like you. We could argue that Bad Boys Two should have never been made. Period. But I'll I'll, I'll buy your analogy. No man, uh, Bad Boys Two is here. when they said we ride together, we die together. Oh that look, you got a great one. quote out of it. But, but the original was just so good. Of course. Let me uh, right. give you a You're couple right. of nuggets. And our apologies for the delays. Michael's over in Paris again. I'm in LA, so we've got a little bit of a delay every time he and I try to respond to each other. We typically <laughs> FaceTime, and so there's we're stepping all over each other sometimes. For our apologies for that. Uh, but I do want to give you some nuggets before we get into our Curtis Strange conversation, which, again, Ryder Cup history, remarkable. Uh, some of his battles with Seve Ballesteros. Uh, some Ryder Cup nuggets. The home team has won five of the last six Ryder Cups dating back to 2006, and the Europeans haven't lost a Ryder Cup at home since 1993. Ooh. And if you That's why to- I want Captain Phil to go get it. <laughs> Captain Phil. <laughs> I, I will give Jim Furyk a lot of credit. Like the last time we were over here, the whole Tom Watson debacle happened, and that is there, there ain't nothing. 
Even Phil, you know what Phil did say? Phil said that the whole time, well, he didn't say his name, but he said the last time that we were over here four years ago, that's mm-hmm. when the relationship for him and Tiger actually started. Like, really? That's, that's where the men started because they decided that they had to come together, hit that him and Tiger had to come together and figure out a way that to make the team thing work. So that's where it started, which is wild to think that that. So even though it was a horrible thing that happened with Tom Watson, that actually we can thank Tom Watson for bringing, starting to bring Tiger and Phil together. How cool is that? Like there's always that silver lining, right? There it is. And now you look at it. I was talking to, to to folks back in Bristol about this. Now you can kind of look at what Tiger's done for the Americans. I mean, how poetic is it that a guy gets his 80th career victory, still chasing Sam Snead at 83, but he gets this victory, but you couldn't pick a better player to win the week before the Ryder Cup because in that victory, Tiger's now taken this entire roster and he's looking him in the eye and he's like, let's go. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And Tiger understands too like how his his Ryder Cup teams haven't been the records haven't been real great. But he also understands that there were a lot the pressure that was on him and on those teammates were completely different than the vibe that's around this team now. He doesn't feel the pressure Tiger, I mean, I don't think he feels the pressure and the burden of it's it's all on his shoulders mm-hmm. that he used to. But that was also because we were talking about it before. A guy who's the intimidating Tiger Woods, he's not going to be good on the team. Because no, you're right the about team that. event only happens once for one week. That's it. And like, I'm not going, how, I gotta pretend to be your friend and we cool hanging out in the team room and then for one week. And then after that, don't, don't talk to me. We're not hanging right. out. It's not cool. So now it's not like that. This is why, this is why that win last week for Tiger was so awesome because we saw, I'm doing air quotes, nice guy Tiger win. Yeah, if new Tiger figures this out, if nice Tiger can win and then still step on their throat on, in between the ropes, we get three years of this, I think, of healthy Tiger being competitive. All right, before we get to Curtis Strange, cool. I want quickly, let's see, you left there Fridays or Saturday. You've been there about three and a half days now. What yeah. has been the most Michael Collins Paris experience so far? The French serve French fries with everything. I love that. <laughs> You know, it's different with mayonnaise, too. Well, yeah, that part's kind of weird. <laughs> you know what you would love about this place? They also, they are crazy for Tabasco, yo, like you. I know. Yeah, I know. But you know what? Like, I'll never be able to eat a croissant in the United States again. <laughs> They're the so bread. buttery and flaky oh just everything about the bread over here <laughs> i don't understand why there aren't more fat people over here for as many have people, they been nice to you yeah they've been really good i'm about to put up a bunch of pictures on social media so uh, today walking around 
two things happen. One, there's guys that are wearing all European, like these European jacked out suits with, and these wigs that are French colored hair. And it's, it's great. It's flying. It was great. And I'll go, Hey, can I get a picture with, of you guys? And they're like, yes, would you like a picture to get in the picture with us? After we take the picture, those guys were like, hey, welcome to France. We hope you enjoy yourself here. Have a great time. And I was, thanks, man. This, that means a lot. Merci beaucoup, my friends. And they were like, oh, very good. Merci beaucoup. Merci. <laughs> so you went, you went street cred with Moshiba. <laughs> I said merci. Yes. And I said bonjour. Apparently, look, man, bonjour. Bonsoir is a good one, too. Drop him a bonsoir. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like saying it that way, nah. Now you're trying to get me hated over here. But I say merci and and merci beaucoup and and bonsoir, bonsoir, good morning, bonsoir. Uh, but I always say bonsoir. Hey, will you good do morning. me a favor for the social media? Yeah, for Maddie and Caddy. Can you can you post a video of you narrating and giving yourself play by play of eating a croissant and post it on Maddie and the Caddy Instagram? You okay. do that for me? Yeah, I gotta find, I gotta find, yeah, because, okay, there's a, actually a bakery right next door to the hotel, so yes. Cause you okay, can get that's fresh part croissants one. right next door. Man, it's just, when that bread comes out and it's warm and stuff, <laughs> like watching people, watching people come out or just walking around carrying a, a baguette that's like three feet long. And they're just one end of this bag paper bag is open and they're just chewing on it and it's like it looks so right. And I keep thinking we go home and you hear people all the time, I'm on this diet and I cut out all bread and I'm like, You you need to go to France because everybody over there is pretty skinny. They're in pretty good shape and they drink wine and eat a loaf of bread a day. A day? How do you eat a loaf of bread every with some butter and they put <laughs> cheese? You eat a loaf of bread and a roll of cheese every day. And how do you look that skinny? It's crazy. I think you need some alone time. My goodness. You don't want to leave me alone in no bakery because. You know, here's the other I'm thing. I'm going to come like, out of there it, embarrassed. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I was you're right American. about that. You're right about other people over there. Like we've been, my wife and I have been to Paris and we've been to Italy, and all these people do is eat, and they're all skinny and beautiful. Yeah, but I tell you what, they are aggressive drivers, but they drive angry. We're in two taxi cabs, and these dudes, and I kept saying, "Hey, man, we're not in a hurry. <laughs> it's gonna be the same price, no matter what time you get us there. It's okay, man. Chill. There's a." There's like 27 gabillion scooters and motorcycles, and there's no lines on the road. And for good reason, they wouldn't follow them. They wouldn't follow if there were lines on the road. And they're, they're suggestions. Not even that. So that they just tore them up. Just, you know what? Forget it. You want to go eight wide on a street that's been around for 800 years? Knock yourself out. Go crazy. These guys drive a great. I feel like I should put a helmet on anytime you get into a taxi. But other than that, I mean, it's been great going around. I did, and it's on social media now. On the from the hotel, the girl at the front desk said, "Oh, before you leave, you should drive around the the uh, Arc de Triomphe." And I was like, "Yeah." And she goes, "Oh, it's the worst road in France, maybe in the world." 
And I was like, and you're telling me I need to go do that? Yeah, not nah, a right. <laughs> I'm yeah, good. Sounds riveting. You yeah, should and run guess where Siri took me to on the way to the golf course? The Arc de Right Triumph. into the circle of the Arc de Triomphe. Yeah. <laughs> and it All was right, so there's our American ambassador. An awesome experience. So it's on social media Michael now. Michael Collins. All right, so we'll check that out. Michael Collins, our American ambassador over there for the Ryder Cup. Coming up next, the conversation with Curtis Strange. We will now pivot from Tiger to Ryder Cup. What a remarkable week it's been for the sport of golf. Curtis Strange coming up next on Maddie and the Caddy. Maddie and the Caddy is brought to you. You know, Ryder Cup week, there isn't a better ambassador to the great United States of America than, than our friend, friend of the podcast, work with him at Augusta National for the Masters, a two-time U.S. Open champ, five-time Ryder Cup participant, including captain in 2002, Curtis Strange joining us now. And Curtis, what is Ryder Cup week like? Unlike anything else uh, you ever experienced in your life as a professional golfer, uh, thanks for having me, guys. That uh, I, I actually look forward to this in a, in a sadistical kind of way. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm getting ganged up on here, but you know what better way to start the Ryder Cup is is to talk about it. And you know we talk about it leading up to it for the last couple of months. Who's going to be on the team? What do the teams look like? Will Tiger play? Will he not? You know. DeChambeau, okay, the list goes on. So, But for the players and, and for the – I think you hear it. The best way I can describe it is some players who have never played. Those who haven't played say, hey, it can't be that big a deal or it's, you know, it's embellished or whatever. And when they finally make the team, they come back and say, wow, I want to do that again. And that's that's the best description I can have. It's unlike anything you ever do. I love the fact that the guys who have never played in it before say, you know what, I just, I'm going to try my best to keep it as a normal tournament. I know it's a little bit different. I'm pretty sure I know what to expect. And then they come back and go, I've never been that scared before standing on the first <laughs> You know, I never a- got like that. Certainly what? you're nervous. And, and, you're, and you're nervous for, for many different reasons, and that's part of why it is special. You know, you want to you – represent yourself well but you have 11 other teammates and a captain and assistant captains that you really want to perform well you want to hold up your end of the bargain you know they're waving the flag out there which is a pretty big symbol for us and if you're playing on home soil you've got 30,000 or or in, in two years ago in Minneapolis 50,000 rooting like crazy for you so there's a lot on the line and and knowing full well in, in a in a negative kind of way that if you don't perform well you're going to get ranked on the coal. So, but uh, you know back in the day, I, quick story. My first Ryder Cup was 1983 in Palm Beach. Jack Nicklaus was the captain, which was pretty special. And I was young, and Jay Haas and I were both on the team together as, as rookies. And you know we're playing on the same team as guys that were our heroes growing up, Floyd and Nicklaus being captain, and Irwin and and that and the likes. And so you're quite nervous doing that, but. You know, I never got to where on the first tee that um, I was scared. Of that. I know that part of the conversation I was going to tell you is that. So Sunday afternoon, there's about 1,500 people out there watching the end of the matches. That's how it's changed um, in, in a few short years. Uh, you know, we went over and lost at the Belfry in 85 and came back in 87, and it became very big over here, twenty-five or 30,000 in Deerfield Village. So in my lifetime, I've seen it grown to something that is really – quite frankly, the biggest event in golf, not competition, uh, not the majors or the WGCs or whatever you want to call them, uh, but the event and a spectacle that the fans love to watch. 
Curtis, take us. You've had both vantage points that I find interesting as a player and then as the captain. Take us inside the locker room. What's it like with the players and the captains throughout the competition? Well, I think that that's that's uh, some of it's a, a bit off limits, uh, but it is it's like high school or college team sport. It's fantastic. I was. I grew up playing high school basketball and running some track and little league early on, and I loved team sports. Uh, you know, I, I gravitated toward golf, and I think, you know, there's reasons for that. But team sports, there's nothing like it. You get to root for and, you know, pump somebody up or have somebody pump you up or win together or, you know, sadly lose together. So, you know, you got coaches. I, I, just, I just loved it. So it gets back into that mode of team sport. And you root like hell for each other. Uh, they come together as a team. Don't believe anything you've ever read as far as not coming together as a team. And, and Michael, I think you've seen that. Is the guys try really, really hard, and they they enjoy each other's company. And you know, quite frankly, there are some guys that make the team over the years that haven't been best of friends with most of them on the team, but they learn to appreciate them, and they learn to respect them, and they come up, come away that week with a greater understanding of their fellow guy who they didn't understand before. And so well, that's, that's a good thing. And that's one of the cool it, things about the Ryder Cup and even the President's Cup is that guys who normally would look at each other and kind of go, man, I don't want to be around that guy. I don't really like that guy that much. Now, when you're forced in a team room with someone who you may have had some thoughts of before you actually sat and talked with them or got to know them, once you're forced in that room as a teammate now, it's like, okay, I got to sit here and talk to this guy and find out about him. And then you always – rarely do you walk away going, man, what I thought about that guy being a jerk, I was right. Normally you walk away no, and exactly. go, that dude, I don't know why I felt that way. This guy's kind of cool. You know, well said. And it's it's happened more than once uh, it, on teams that I've been on. Uh, it's it's a better understanding of, of your of – your, fellow competitor and you got to remember we're a bunch of individuals egomaniacs overpaid golfers that compete every week on tour and certainly you're not you're going to go to dinner with some and you're not going to go to dinner with some but again when you're forcing that locker room and you eat three meals a day or your girlfriends mate or wives might bond and you're a little slow to coming around but never ever have i seen somebody say what you said hey he really is a jerk they come around with a deeper respect, and you know, he. I might not go to dinner with him next week, but I still like him. That kind of thing, and uh, uh, it's uh, it's it's good to see those relationships happen. Because when I was captain, you know, my team to the to my last day on this earth will be family to me. Um, it's 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 a bond that you, you will never ever can imagine. That you know, you work so hard for a year and a half. In my case, two and a half years because of nine eleven. You know, you're talking about these 12 guys, you're thinking about them 24-7, and, you know, they become like family. And the greatest compliment I ever get is two or three of them still call me captain when I see them. And they have no idea what that means to me. And I appreciate it, and I love it, and I love them because, uh, you know, my locker room was great. And I had Mickelson there, yeah, who's who's a child at heart. Uh, (laughs) and, 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 And Tiger is fantastic, and all of them. From from number one to twelve, it's uh, something that uh, you'll never forget. 
You've had some legendary Ryder Cup battles, be it with Seve or Nick Faldo. As a player, go back to that time. What is your most memorable battle in one of your Ryder Cups? You know, Matt, uh, every one is like that. And, and back in the day, it was contentious. Um, there was some animosity. There was, you know, Seve was there, and he's been their greatest leader of all time. And, you know, certainly in 79, when they added the Europeans to the team, they become much stronger. But they came strong, become much stronger because Seve was the leader over top Nick Faldo and Sandy Lyle and Bernhard Langer and Ian Woosom, you know, five Hall of Famers. So that's why they were so strong in the 70, late 70s, 80s, and 90s. But, uh, you know, Seve, Seve liked to agitate you. And, he was and a that's jerk. part of match play. <laughs> huh? He was a jerk on the golf course. I, but he did I that on purpose. Get, not, not, not a jerk in a bad way. Not in a, <laughs> he, not in a bad way. Not a, but it, he, was, he, was, he, he was Dennis Rodman. He thrived on a bit of controversy. And he did it. See, that's the beauty of match play. Gamesmanship is all part of it. I'm not complaining. But what made me so damn mad, guys, is that I let him get to me a couple of times, and I got mad at myself for allowing that because I knew it was coming. And he prevailed. I mean, he's, I what played What would he do? Like How did he get times. in your head? I think I, what did he do? Oh, you know, can I take this ball out of play? Can I? Who's away? Well, you, say, you know who's away. <laughs> you know, you know. I'm going to put out. No, you're not allowed to put out. I can put. I can put out. No, you can't. We went over that last night. The rules. You know, just things are so obvious. Uh, can I drop my? But no, you can't drop your ball up there. You know, just I. I hit. We we had some. We were behind or something. I'm playing him one one uh, at Muirfield. I'm playing him the singles in '87 and. I think it was on the 11th hole, and it was raining or something. And so I went on and hit my third shot with both 100 yards. I hit my third shot on the green, and I'm waiting for him. He comes up on the green. He says, I, I, I think you hit at a turn, but I'm not going to call it on you. Well, you, <laughs> you know, that, that don't say that to me, but that's that was part of it. So I, I think you hit at a turn. But, you know, it was great. And then Nikki, Nikki Faldo, who we've all learned to respect and love, but in the day was – sometimes not quite as warm and charming. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, did I say that? Did I say that PC? We don't want the, we don't uh, want the PC Curtis. We want the, we want the unfiltered. So, you know, you had Montgomery at times being the way he was. And certainly we had guys on our team. Azinger didn't back down to anybody. Mm. Uh, we had guys on our team as well. Uh, uh, who else was, uh, Woosnam could get a little get a little feisty, so it was good stuff. At the end of the day, Sunday night, you had a beer together and or more than one, and you you had fun and you move on. That's the that's also the beauty of it too is that on the golf course in competition, I'm not your friend. I don't like you. I'm going to get under your skin. I want to get in your head. I want you to be absolutely pissed. As soon as we're done, let's go drink. And have a party, you know, and that's that's the way it kind of used to be. And after my playing days, and before my captaincy, they got away from that Sunday night celebration dinner. And Sam Torrance and I said, "This is crazy. This is what this thing is all about. Sunday night is when you let your guard down and and be normal." And so we reinstituted. It wasn't at dinner, but it was a cocktail party. 
And I told my guys, I said, you can stay 10 minutes or two and a half hours. I don't care, but we're going. And they all went, and guess what? They all had a ball, you know. You know, it's, it's like we talked earlier. You know, he's not such a bad guy after all. The yeah. only really, the only really two times I had a conversation with Seve, a real conversation, was at that Sunday night dinner. <laughs> so uh, we we reinstituted it, and it was it was a lot of fun. There's a there's a funny story. I will tell you this: Tiger and Elon were over there, and, and of course we lost in a close match when uh, when I was captain. And uh, Sergio comes up to Elon and says, "Hey, congratulations, congratulations!" She said, "For what?" He says, we won. You're European. We won. She goes, F you. (laughs) (laughs) She's Tiger's wife, okay? God, I love her ever since then. (laughs) But anyway. That's the best. There's there's some good stuff. There's some good stuff. It's also, too, why you said before, and and this is one of the things that I never – answer it but i always throw it out to people when they talk about you know who should be on the team and who shouldn't be on the team and i'm gonna ask you the same thing and you were a captain and a player the Ryder cup is it a competition or an exhibition oh it's a competition it's not a it's not a championship but it's a competition trust me you don't get i i i play exhibitions all the time you know, you, you, that blood doesn't go any faster than it goes right now. But in a in a competition, your blood and heart speeds up. And don't think it doesn't speed up on the first tee of the last green at the Ryder Cup. Um, exhibition is is disrespectful. Uh, it started out as that, but it's become much more. And guess what? The viewers around the world wouldn't be as excited about it if they thought it was just an exhibition, if they thought the guys didn't care. See, that's why, to me – the fans, the TV viewers around the world love it so much because the players do let their feelings run freely in the Ryder Cup, where ordinarily they don't. You know, we've got to stay calm and cool, and you know, but Ryder Cup, it's okay. And, this, and the fans see that, and they also see that there's a winner and loser each match, and they see the celebration and the sadness. And then at the end, Sunday afternoon, it, it hurts when you lose. So that's, that's true. Uh, that's a real thing, and the fans sense that, and that's why they like to watch it. Does anybody does anybody get fired up about the, you know, NBA All Star Game? No, no. Or the Pro Bowl? No, they're exhibitions. Curtis, I look at the teams and I see our roster, and I feel really, really good about it. And then I look at the Europeans' roster, and they should feel really, really good about theirs. When you assess the teams, who do you like and why? Well, I'm sitting here looking at it because I knew that was coming up, and I don't have internet yet. So, uh, you know, I got to tell you first. Let me talk about their team. Um, I, I can't make a lot of comments because I don't know some of the guys and I don't know their strengths. So, but I do know Justin Rose, who now is number one in the world. I do know Terrell Hatton, who runs hot with and cold, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Tommy Fleetwood is one hell of a player. I admire the hell out of him just because of his stature of size, and he's not a launcher of the ball, and he, and he competes so well. And, of course, you have John Rahm, who, who's going to be a superstar in the next 10 years. And, of course, you have Rory. But when you compare this team, and this is not a knock, but I was asked two weeks ago, what is the difference in this team, 2018, versus like uh, you know 91 or 89 or something with Europe? They don't have Seve Ballesteros. 
That's the difference. And he was such a motivator and leader and inspiration for all the guys on their team. You, it, immeasurable. But, uh, you know, Torborn Olsen, Alex Noren, I mean, they're all world-class players. They're on the Ryder Cup team. Just because our fans don't know them as well as, as Kepka and Johnson and Thomas and Reed, well, that doesn't mean they can't play. And how we've experienced you, that. How do you feel about Sergio being a pick? Because I feel like the reason they put Sergio on the team is because they want him to be the sevy of the team. Well, it, you know, no disrespect to Sergio, but he will not do that. You just can't be somebody you're not. He's he's fiery and he's good. I wasn't up on top of it like you might have been, Michael, uh, on should he have been picked or not. The one thing about the captains, they do what's best for their team. There's no motive, there's no alternative motive, motive, motive in, in any of this. So uh, if he thinks he should have been on the team, he picked him. Uh, our team, I think, is very, very strong. And they're young. They don't carry any baggage of negative uh, losses in the past. Uh, they're extremely confident. And you better be in the Ryder Cup. Uh, you know, it's just you know, Finau, your 12th guy is Finau. Gosh, right. mighty can he play? And, you know, too bad, you know, uh, Xander didn't make it, but he'll make one in the future. And I mean, how about when you, when, when three of your picks, Bryson and Tiger and Phil are so accomplished at, at their ages. So uh, I really like it, but you have to still go get it done. It's match play. It's, you can lose to, to, to anybody, anytime, any day. And uh, they know that. And that what's good is that they lost, they won the last time, which is a, a good feeling going into this Ryder Cup. Yeah, and you look at the captain's picks for the Europeans. You got Paul Casey, Sergio Garcia, Henrik Stenson, Ian Poulter, and all of them are fiery competitor, competitors. Yeah, uh, two of the four have major championships, so they're used to being in that kind of setting. But if you look at both rosters, you can point at a John Rahm for the Europeans. He's the fiery guy. You can point at the fiery guy for the United States. And I think, Curtis, that's what makes this so fun to watch is the pairings and how they get put together and how a lot of the times, and you would know this being a captain, how much just personality and style of game go into how you are pairing these guys up. Yeah, that's the that's the trick. And let me let me before I answer that, I think who's going to be your inspiration on the European team is Ian Poulter. Yep, he is a he's a fiery guy, and he loves being on the team. He loves being back on the team. Uh, picking pairings, uh, every captain has their important factors. Uh, in my case, personality didn't have much to do with it. It was more golf games and golf balls because. I thought even if you, for instance, if you haven't played with this guy often enough or didn't really care for his game or him, you better get over it, big guy. You know, this is a big man sport, and this is a big-time event. I don't care if you like him or not. You know, that, that's the attitude I took. You know, put your differences aside and go play. I didn't have anything like that on my team. But if that was the case, you know, I, 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 you better get over it. I was more concerned with putting four solid pairings out there every morning and afternoon that I thought could get the job done. But you, you go along on the fly. Let me tell you a quick story. So my first day Friday, I had Tiger in the morning with Calcavecchia in the, the, the alternate shot. 
and then I put Azinger with him in the afternoon for a couple of reasons. One is that both of those players had played a lot with Tiger. Tiger was very, very intimidating uh, at that time. Uh, they were comfortable with him, and they both had good games. And they both played very, very well in morning and afternoon, and they lost both matches. So I go to Tiger early that evening, and I said, okay, who do you want to play with? I have to have you win tomorrow for our psyche and to, you know, uh, be, you know, not to pump them up if they win. He said, put me with Davis. So Davis played the next day with him both morning and afternoon, and they both won. And my point of telling the story is that just you think you go, you, you, can, you can dissect this nonstop for a year and a half. And then when it comes time to make a pairing on Saturday, you, you, you're going on the fly because what you thought didn't work the day before. Or, the, you know, you got a match play. You can play your ass off and still lose. So my point is you, you try to put pairings together, maybe a little bit personality, but games and golf balls in the alternate shot and let them go play. Make me look good, guys. How in, I've been trying to explain this for a long, long time to people. First, how important is the golf ball? Especially, let's say, if you're a Callaway guy and you're going to play with a Titleist guy, people, the general public, they do not understand how huge yeah. of a difference that it is between playing a Callaway and then telling a Callaway guy, hey, you're just going to play Titleist today or, hey, you're going to play TaylorMade today. And then why has it been so hard to win over there in Europe? Uh, well, first of all, with the balls, without getting too complicated, it's about, you know, we, we can customize our balls. Everybody makes more than one, so you can pick the ball with your particular manufacturer that best suits you. And you might be playing with a guy, an alternate shot, that launches it much higher or much lower than you. So to play a different ball, now you have to, you know, the ball's going to go a little bit different distance and react different. So, you know, it's a, they're all pretty good now. I think in the day you had, Tiger playing a, I don't know, what was he playing, a low launch because he launched it high or something. I don't remember, but that was an issue back in the day. But you get through that. You get through that. But you certainly don't want to play a Scott Verplank on my team who is somewhat of a short hitter. You don't want to put him with Tiger who plays a launchy ball that launches it. They can't play the same ball. So that type of thing. But you, I think it's something to get over. But it is a concern. Now, the second part of the question is, what was it, Michael? Why? Why has it been so hard for us to win over there? Uh, you know what? If I had the answer to that, I'd write a book. Uh, <laughs> I think a couple of things. A couple of things is that we come together as a team. We root like hell for each other, and it's 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 great for a week. They care tremendously, but I think at times the Europeans have more to prove because they're going up against the big bad USA and the great USA PGA Tour you know, yada, yada, yada. And if you put two little league teams to play each other and one has more to prove than the other, I'm betting on that team every time. Mm. The country guys versus the city folks, you know, whatever it might be. And I think that's the case. Uh, they've had a lot more motivation over the years, especially early on. They, uh, they've had tremendous players, trust me. Uh, now they're very, very deep. Uh, I just think, and, and now they, they believe in themselves. You know, it took it took two or three Ryder Cups when Europe joined GB&I to start to believe it in yourself. And uh, they, uh, they're they very, very tough. You know, they do 
travel together. They stay together more than we do. Does that make a difference? I don't know. But it's just the nature of the beast, the way they travel. We go our separate ways every week. There's a million hotels to stay in every week, and you kind of disperse. And uh, so all those little things add up at the end of the day. Curtis, I should warn you, this next line of questioning is going to come from the caddy, and he has a beef with you about something. I don't know what it is, but he's been fired up to go to you about this the entire time. So, caddy, go do do what you're going to do. I just – I got to – I got to talk to you about that whole Phil at the U.S. Open thing. Oh, <laughs> you're not going to hurt my feelings, pal. Let me tell you. I know. I, I, uh, that's, this is why I love you to death because I know I could, I could, we can talk about this and you're going to be well, like. Well, as long as nobody ever hears this, I'll give you the good stuff, okay? As long as it doesn't go between the three of us. Uh, I was, I was getting ready to go to the golf course to do my on course reporting and I was up with Joe Book and Azinger in the, in the booth talking about what I look forward to see that day. And Phil does it when I'm up there, and I'm going, wow. You know, I, I just I, – I, I'm thinking to myself, did I just see that? Was right. that was that here today? <laughs> you know, it's just it – was, it was pretty unprofessional. It was, uh, a, to me, disrespectful to the game and those who came before him. And I don't want to overblow this thing, but as I've had chance to think about it for a couple of months, I truly believe that. Now, and he and, and and I'm sure he regrets it a great deal. But anyway, now my producer in my ear, he says, "Get down to the practice tee. We've already talked to Phil's agent. He's going to talk, and you're going to do it, Curtis." Well, this is great. You know, this is a wonderful opportunity. You know, for me, I, I it was a great compliment from my producer to say you're going to interview him. Oh yeah! But then I started shaking my boots. You know, <laughs> Matt, you've done it now. Now, what are you asking? You got to ask him the good question, and you got to do it right. And you, you can't. You know, you just all these things run through my head. Anyway, I, I fast forward to interview Phil, and he was he had shock in his eyes. He he didn't know what to do. He talked to me. He answered the two or three questions. Um, he came up with this this response that was uh, didn't fly didn't stick against the wall. And the next week he just said, I snapped and I regret it. And that's what he should have said initially. You know, I got frustrated. I snapped, I apologize, and it'll never happen again. And that's all he needed to say to me. Um, but he didn't. Um, so anyway, it was just something I thought was pretty disrespectful. And I, and knowing Phil and what the way he is, it shocked me that it was Phil Mickelson. Did you feel the same way? You're out there every week, Michael. <laughs> um, I had a problem with, with everyone who was saying it was disrespectful to the game. And the reason that really? I have – Yes, and this is why. is because all everyone was talking about was how the USGA did the exact opposite of what they promised. Exactly. They sat there in front of us all of us in the media and said it's not going to be possible for this course to get out of control we guarantee it won't happen and they that's what they did the year before asked hey the last time we've been to shinnecock and they said it's not going to happen this time it's impossible can't happen agronomy won't allow it well guess what happened it got out of control and i think everyone at first thought the same way that you thought when the incident 
first happened live. And it was, wait, why did they put practice round footage in here? Wait, that's for real? Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's that ha- that just happened right now, Phil? And then seeing Phil's reaction and what people forget is Andrew Beef Johnston's reaction too. This is part of the yeah, reason he, why you I know, have that a problem. Was, see this is this is part of the reason why I have a problem with people who say that it was disrespectful to the game. When you do something that's disrespectful to the game or you try and cheat, the other player's reaction is the exact opposite of what Beef did. Yeah, Beef's that kind of guy, though. Uh, you know, he's he's happy-go-lucky and a nice man. I'm not going. Uh, you know, I think that I come from a little different angle because I think I'm not going to say I have more invest in the game than you, Michael, because you could love the game as much as anybody. But when you grow up in a game, and my dad was a golf professional, and I was taught from day one the etiquette and respect of not only the game, but those who came before you. And this is the U.S. Open. Now, okay, that's that's my answer to that. But I will say this. The USGA and our TV meeting promised us nothing would happen. They can't allow this to happen, and it did. Now, I'm not saying the golf course got out of control. There was three or four or five bad hole locations, which allowed it to get out of control. But I guess we agree with this. They screwed up big time again. And I get so, so frustrated that somebody has so much love and respect for my national championship, not because I won, but because it goes way back in my family history. Uh, I, I just, I don't know what they're thinking about. You know, I tell you who they disrespected was the damn Shinnecock and their membership. Mm-hmm. You know, when you don't allow the golf course to be the star, you have to be the star, and that's the problem I have with them. Or the score that you're trying to get them to to attain, if that's what you think the star is, that's where the that's where the problem lies. And I think I'm 100 percent with you that after a couple of days, when Phil came back out and was like, "I've had a couple of days to kind of stew on it," and I laughed because I'm thinking to myself, "Well, what were you walking around the house miserable? Kids don't talk to me because I'm stewing." Because well, happened. I will say this: people said it hurts his reputation, and he'll be remembered. And I, no, I think that's BS. You know, we've moved on from that, but I think to do it in the U.S. Open, you know, it's, it's, but even let's go back to the real, the real problem is the setup of the golf course. I I agree with you there. So anyway, you never see this happening ever at Augusta National, ever in the PGA, ever in the players, ever in the Open Championship, do you? But every year in the U.S. Open, it happens and it's disappointing. Yeah, that's that's what it is. More than anything else, disappointed. What's it going to take for the U.S. to win this Ryder Cup in Europe? You know, just do your job. Um, <laughs> I love the just way do you your job. Take a big it, sigh. It, you know, I just you, you know, guys. You know, when I when, I don't know, Jim Furyk is is as good a captain and as good a guy as you'll ever meet, and he will handle it his way, and he will say the things that he thinks are important to the team. I didn't say a whole lot, but I said a few words every night. Basically, I just said, guys, it's not going to be easy, but if you do your job and you play the way we all know you can play, it'll be a good week. But you can't get distracted. You can't get pissed off at the people. We played over in Europe as well, or England. You've got to put your, you know, your, your, your focus, look at the grass. Just look at the grass. Don't look at anything else and get your job done. And, you know, we were in good shape. We were even going into the – we were all level going into the singles, and we lost the singles. So 
you know, that was a victory for me, and then we didn't play well on Sunday. But, you know, it's just they're going to root like hell for their team. It's going to be – I saw the grandstands behind the first tee. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it looks like a, a Barnum and Bailey circus or something. Uh, but it's, uh, I just think you just got to – you can't get distracted by the by the fans, uh, by the momentum up and to and fro of, of matches and – you just got to do your job, and uh, you got to be focused. And, you know, you got to do your job not only for yourself but for your teammates. Hey, Curtis, you've been so gracious with us. Thank you for the story time. Thank you for helping us understand better what it's like to compete in the Ryder Cup. Always appreciate talking to you, friend. Hey, thank you, guys. And i got to tell you, for everybody that's going to listen to this, watch. It's If you haven't watched the Ryder Cup before, you'll be amazed at the enthusiasm and the spirit of everyone. And it's, uh, it's why we love it so much. The one thing that'll take my attention off football, the Ryder Cup, and I can't wait to do it. You got it. Thank you, sir. Talk to you. Thank you. All right. I can have story time with Curtis Strange forever because, I mean, he had legendary battles with legendary people in this game. And just to hear him tell those stories, Caddy, is, is tremendous. It cracks me up hearing guys talk about Seve in such a loving way and still say, but on the golf course, the guy was an ass. Like he could be, and he goes, and even when you try to go, Hey, the, the guy was a jerk on a, no, 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 he's not a jerk. He's a great dude. Like I understand. I know. I know. And it's so funny to hear people kind of try and describe the word gamesmanship. Yep. And how much is that during competition? You could you could literally almost feel like you hate someone, and yet as soon as you shake hands, go, you want to go get a drink? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go Why? have one. Yeah. It's like kids going, we was fighting on the playground, and then you go, you want some ice cream? Yeah, let's go get ice cream. I like sprinkles. You like sprinkles? Come on. You know what I find so interesting about Ryder Cup week, especially from the United States side, because I've always thought the Europeans, for whatever reason... As Curtis alluded to, they have camaraderie that's just different than it is in the United States throughout the course of the season and on the European PG on the European tour. But I've I've always found it interesting when you bring a group of people together that at their height of their powers and they compete week in and week out and you want them now to compete with each other. I just think it's a fascinating uh study of athletes' competitiveness and personality. When you put all these guys in the locker room and say, hey, go win for your country. Well, and it's the only sport where everyone competes as an individual for their sport until they get to this event. Where when you talk about other all-star games or, or even I guess all-star games would be the best comparison. All those other sports, hockey, baseball, football, basketball, mm-hmm. they're already team sports. So you already play on a team. Whereas the Ryder Cup, you're you're not playing on a team already, and like you're the best player on that team, and now you come to a team event. No, you're an individual. I'm gonna try and beat the snot out of these dudes every single week. Oh yeah, now we're teammates. Yeah, it's cool. And I will say, Curtis, that Curtis definitely changed the vernacular that I'm going to use from now on when I ask the question of what people consider the Ryder Cup, because I used to ask. Is it an exhibition or a competition? And yes, after we've, hearing, we, we've argued about this on the podcast. Yeah, and after hearing Curtis describe what he feels like an exhibition is, 
I have to find another word to use because I don't want to be, I don't know that necessarily not calling it a competition is disrespectful. Like he said, it's disrespectful to call it an exhibition. But if you're comparing it to the other all-star games that are out there mm-hmm. and pro bowls and so forth, then yeah, it, it could be. I don't, so, look, I don't, I've never thought it was anything but a competition. I mean, when you're going, when you're doing something for your country and in this sport, this, a lot of people would say that this is the ultimate competition for bragging rights for each other's country. I don't think you could label it anything but because of how much it means to these guys to be a part of this and how much it is for the host country and how much it means to these players to be involved with some of these other guys to win it for this person or that person. I don't think it's, it's, I think it's incorrect to assume that it's anything but. But even Curtis started out by saying it, it started as an exhibition. So that means at some point it had to change and become a competition. Yeah, but the things evolve all the time. I mean, they started I playing football that, but... with leather helmets. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, they also didn't have a concussion problem back then either. So. We don't know that. Well, that's true. But they also were smoking and drinking on the sidelines as well. Right. How good was that? Oh, man. Yeah. Just one season. One season, leather helmets, and then. How about this? Can we just. Fifth of vodka or some. Why can't we get back to the days where the players like Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth and all these guys were known for just wailing on heaters and beers during games? So what? (laughs) Like, what do we care? Yeah, I loved it when John Daly would rock around, walk around, just just lighting up a fatty on the course. Who cares? S- smoking two packs of the cigarette thing. All right, I'm cool without that. But you know, marijuana is now legal in some states. That would be kind of fun to watch them try and play baseball or football. It wouldn't be as fast. Nothing no. would be as fast. So goes back to the George Lopez sidelines. Goes to the George Lopez brownie <laughs> cut. Maybe he had something. Yes. Maybe George Lopez has something. Ah, that would change golf competition. Just a little bit for the Ryder Cup. Uh, I just, I love that the competition aspect and I, and I hope that the fans this time, I don't think they will, but I do know last Ryder Cup got out of hand just a smidge. Mm-hmm. So, how do you, Curtis mean? alluded to those you, grants. You... Well, it became more of a college football atmosphere. I'm fine with it. I, well, I'm not fine with some of the things that they were yelling down at players. No, I mean, you know how we feel here, the patrons of Maddie and Caddy feel about some of the, the what the, the galleries can yell. You, you, we've, we're very clear on that. But in terms of the atmosphere, I think it's what makes the Ryder Cup so unique. Agreed. Absolutely agreed when it comes to the atmosphere. I just think that – and I don't think we'll have that problem because we're going to be over there. No, they're so, polite. Well, I, I don't know about polite. They just know how to sing songs. Yeah, they're better at their, they're better at their, their, like their cheering and their chants. Well, they put all their energy into their chant stuff, and that's why our music is better. Wait, wait, what do you mean? Our music is is much better because we put all our good lyricists into making songs, not chants at sporting events. So you're telling me that the difference between music in Europe relative to the United States all traces back to golf? Sure, man. It's chant. Not just golf, soccer too. Football over there, football. They all, oh, they worry about us singing songs and stuff in stadiums. Cool, yeah, you you be good at that. See how many t- how many chart toppers you get with that one right there. But you know, singing songs, you, that's a song, that's music. Right. Okay. Does it make the charts? You gonna sell any albums? If you know what an album is, back in the day, didn't wait. Can, can, how many people are downloading? How many people are downloading f- football 
football chants and songs on there. How many people go, hey, man, I got this new chant I downloaded on my iPhone. Check it out. It's do you awesome. read like I just do you read books? Do you read history? Yeah. Are you aware of the impact the Beatles and the Rolling Stones had on music? Do you know who Michael Jackson is, was? I'm a, look, I'm the biggest Hello, MJ Michael fan. Michael Jackson, Prince. I'm biggest MJ fan there is. But, cool. But beat him. They who, were, you got, who you got over there that can beat? I Here's what I throw down. I throw down. Here's Ace of Spades and Two of Spades. Michael Jackson, Prince. Bang. You know what? Get back in your cell. You win. Look. You, Thank you. But what I'm saying is, is you know You what, know what they didn't do? They didn't make no songs up about football. They didn't make no, hey, after beat it. And Purple Rain, I also got this song about the New England Patriots <laughs> and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, okay. But you understand, though, that the Beatles and though they came before Michael and Prince and all of okay. these other performers. I'm just. You know what? Soccer came before football and baseball. What's the point? So they had plenty of time to be making them songs up. That's what I'm saying. They put their energy into the wrong things. This is, I like, I could go an hour right now on this whole conversation. I, the, of all the analogies that we've tried to make on this here program, this is by far the best one. And I want to peel back 17 different layers of why this is part brilliant and part stupidity. But we, we got other things to get into. Um, <laughs> you you again are going to be the American ambassador along with Bob Herrig, uh, not only for the network and country. I would like to Sorry know. Sorry about that. Because <laughs> i got to tell you guys sto- a, a quick story about Michael Collins. Oh. There isn't a heavier packer on the planet, a worse packer on the planet. Whoa, what you mean worse? What, you, worse? No, no. My packing is efficient. I find it. We were in Tahoe. And you were coming off. What you were? Where were you coming from when we went to Tahoe? You had like six bags. Yeah, yeah. It sounds efficient. It is efficient because guess what? It, when you was missing something, guess who had it? You did. Thank you. So quit your and not not because un- not underwear shirts. No, so, no. Yeah. But what socks? I got you, man. Don't worry. See, I pack. And this trip over here, I'm leaving. I leave. We're taping this Thursday. I got Friday morning flight. And then I'll be over there for 16 days. Oh, Why? and I'm not taking my golf clubs because after the Ryder Cup, I'm staying for an extra week on vacation. Oh, look at you. The fam's flying over. Yeah. yeah, see? So I'm not even taking my golf clubs. And I'm trying to figure out if there's a way I can do this on two suitcases. And I don't <laughs> know that I can. <laughs> that is that is absurd. How is that efficient? And two suitcases, like 70 pounds each because it's it's international. Yeah, because Collins, before we text this, I, I, you know, conclude with with Sports Center, and I'm I'm doing some stuff after the show, and he calls me and he's like, "Get your ass over to the studio," and I'm like, "I've got stuff." Like I'm in a couple of meetings. He goes, "Hurry up! I have to pack." Yeah, because I only got a few hours. That is un like it how- takes me four hours comfortably here's something i bet mrs i got outfits though what do you mean you have outfits have you seen yourself on tv yeah that's what i'm saying like you think that just happens (laughs) (laughs) i gotta i gotta wake up like this yeah like i don't just wake up and bam everything matches like you gotta coordinate outfits 
And now, because we're going over there, and the, some of the temperatures are going to be between 47 degrees and 72 degrees, Aww. I got to have shorts and pants. But see, that's your problem. You could remedy that by just packing golf pants and be done with it. You don't wear shorts. Who are you? I don't, you know, what? I'm the caddy. <laughs> the caddy wears shorts. All the time. That's all you wear is shorts. Yes! But, but, but if you're going... Unless what, I'm going skiing. What I'm saying, though, is if you're walking into a situation where you know the weather is going to be a little chaotic, then pants. simplify yourself to just one set of drawers and make it pants. And No, because what happens now when the pants get wet? You go outside, well, it's you raining. You take them off? It's, I don't know. What's the answer? Exactly. You just said I should not cause an international incident. If I'm dropping trowel out there in France, <laughs> in Paris, last thing I want them to see, you know, is my crepes. <laughs> Look, you... I'm showing my two croissants in the back. Here, I, I do want to, I, I would like to have a, a moment of growth here on the podcast because you weren't. Like, I don't know. I'm going to try to be as polite as this as I can. You, Good luck. You weren't exactly the best version of an American when you went over there for the Open Championship. It wasn't your best effort. So how do you plan on well, being – how do you plan on being a better version of yourself over in Europe this time around? I, I didn't realize I was offensive. Well, too. you complained about the RNA not giving you access. Because you, they didn't. I you, didn't say anything that wasn't true. You completely tried to take down an entire airline. Uh, they tried to take my carry-on bag. They tried to steal my carry-on. What airline steals a carry-on bag and then threatens to call the cops if you take a picture in a public place? So I'm not flying that airline. And Ian Poulter actually put on Twitter. Oh, I saw it. I so there you go. It. And he's a European player. I'm trying to save him too. So I'm doing what's right. I'm doing the good thing. Also, this is another reason I'm going over a little bit early to kind of prepare. So I can for just, what battle? Like, yeah, <laughs> not battle, but you know what I mean. You got to go over there. You got to get your feet on the ground, and you got to got to understand the context of where you are and the people that are there. That's the thing. In I don't believe in France. What everyone says, you know, the French hate us. Yeah. I don't believe that at all. I think it's the complete opposite. So like, I'm getting an app that does the translation and oh. stuff. Oh. I know. Did you care to try some? And, of that? Can you try some of that real quick on, on the podcast? Nope. No. What do you mm. want? To, like, what are you going to hope to say in French? Where can I get more croissants? <laughs> 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 and I don't want to say. You know, that's the thing. And so, if I go over there a couple of days early and I find out it is true, and they do hate us, then I got to change apps and I get to get Spanish to French. So that when I hold my phone up, the good news about looking like me is I can pull off that I'm Spanish. So I can have an app that goes, Donde esta el baño? And they'll be like, oh, he's Spanish. That's what it is. I'm just hoping that they don't speak Spanish too because then I'm busted. All right. Let me ask you this. So you said if I find out that it isn't true that they do hate us, like how is how is this discovery going to go down? Then it's not going to be good. See, that's the other thing. I got to – and I'm doing – Recon for when the family gets. Yeah, in. that's what I'm saying. So, how are you going to do? Like, how are you going to discover whether the French hate Americans? Well, we're going myself and the, and my editor. Will we get there at the same time about Saturday morning? Okay. So we're going to go do some stuff on Saturday and Sunday, and then get over to the golf course 
scout stuff out over there, see how people treat us. You know, when, when that's how you're going to know when you go to places that have dinner or when you're asking just people in the street, Hey, can you help me find such and such and so and so? Cause I've also heard this is my first time over there that no, all the signs, nothing is, is English. It's not. I've been to Paris. Nothing's so, English. So everything is in French. And right. I didn't, I didn't even take one French class in junior high. Let so, me, well, so when's the last time you were at a, a restaurant out here and so there's menus and streets written in French? It's their country. They didn't have to be written in English. That's the, that's United States arrogance coming through. That's not, see, stop with the United States arrogance because uh, the last time I checked, England and Scotland and Ireland and Northern Ireland, they all spoke English too. Well, I think they still do. You don't have to. All right. So guess what? People swim from England over from the UK to France. So they swim there. What does that have to do with anything? So then that would you would think because the population of people is right next door that you would have signs in English, not American language, English. You know what I mean? So cheerio. Ta ta. (laughs) (laughs) I, I hope for God and country that you. You represent us well. I'm going to go over there. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get Ryan Fitzpatrick's outfit that he wore. Oh, <laughs> Stole please. from Deshaun Jackson. Please do. Which you and Randy Scott, I got to give you all props. That was one of the funniest things I've seen on SportsCenter <laughs> since Charlie Steiner when they came back from, uh, what do you call him, trying to sing the, the national anthem. I legit Carl lost Lewis. my mind. I know you did. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. you had a Charlie Steiner laughing meltdown yeah. on live TV, which was – it was awesome. It I, was awesome. Awesome. All right, so I, I look. I don't want your expectations to be too high for the French. I want you to just kind of. I've heard Paris is dirty. Well, so is New York City, and that's, I love. New I York know City. that's what I love. New York too. It's I love Paris. Paris is. But great. I'm not. I, I. I don't want to know. I don't know. So, if you go to if you're looking for a really good Chinese restaurant, you look for one that looks kind of dirty but has all the cars there. Same with like any kind of really good New York pizza. Same thing. Look for a spot that is packed but looks a little dirty. And so you know that's legit. But I don't know if you can trust that. We're still talking about food? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> brown chicka brown. <laughs> All right, this is good. I, uh, can you trust it? I'm, like where did you eat? I don't remember. I really don't. It was a few useless. years ago. And See? I was I was a few years ago. We drank a lot. Ah, all right. So any uh, French tattoos? No, that you no, may no, not no. Have there's seen? no there's no Pepe Le Pew on my inner thigh. <laughs> all right, so a French tramp stamp. So, that would be <laughs> awesome. Why do you have the Eiffel Tower at the crack of your behind? <laughs> because it's the Eiffel Tower. Um, so are we? Are, I am walking the Eiffel Tower, so I might. I no, might you're not. You, you're not. You're not walking the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, I. That's the only tickets we can get to get to the top. You're, I have to. I'm telling you, it's not going to go well. 740 steps. Yeah, I'm aware. It's not going to go well. It's going down. I'm done. Or, actually, I should say it's going up. <laughs> All right, going so this up. is our last podcast ever. It's been a good run. <laughs> Maddie and the Caddy, it was just a great few-month run. It was, the, it was the peak of my time here at ESPN. <laughs> so are we doing – so are we are We're going to have a one-week hiatus? Is that how it goes? Because you're going to be – going to have to, yes. Okay, all right. So leave us with parting wisdom from you as you you embark on this this European journey. I'm a little nervous, okay, but I'm also extremely excited because it's my first time, not only being in Paris but going to continental Europe. So mm, this is my first trip 
over there. And I just, I want it to be educational and fun. And I hope, I hope the U.S. team wins. That's the other thing. I'm the first one to admit, I am not going over there as an unbiased journalist because all the European media, all rooting for the European team. So I'm going over there. I got a uh, Captain America onesie. Oh, good. Yeah. So at the golf course, I'm going to be that American, but like, I'm not going to yell ignorant things. Okay. New Era did hook me up. So for one week, I'm going to be an ugly American at the Ryder Cup in the media center. Outside, I'm going to try and be cool, hold it down. All right. And then. Well, we trust you. you. A, this, is, you this, have, this is your moment. Do you have like a FedEx account or something like that? Because here's the thing. I'm going to come back with a lot more than I go with. So that's like. I. Yeah, man. give me something. I need you to buy me something. See, again, with the. <laughs> but you know how I pack. Like, I don't have room. I'm going to bring you like a lozenge or something. That's the only thing that's going to fit. See, I mean, and I found a shirt from the Open Championship that I got to send to you. That I forgot after all that crying and whining. Oh, look at that! I forgot yeah. that I got you a Carnoustie shirt, and okay. I never sent it to you. All right. Well, I look forward. Yeah. I look forward to all. But the now, see, I'm going to tell get. you now, making fun of my luggage. I won't have room for Ryder Cup stuff. I'll <laughs> give you a FedEx account number. I've got the. I've got a couple on on yes. on uh, speed dial. Yes. All right. So, Caddy, safe trip. I uh, hope you come back with an American victory. That's all that matters. Yep. Safe vacation. Uh, we'll find something to throw up in the meantime. Uh, next Maybe. Week. Yeah. The law. Oh, oh. How about that? What if it gets found? What about it? What if the lost podcast gets found? If the law, if the lost podcast gets found, then I will trust you to do the intro and the outro. I can do that. Of the lost podcast. Maybe while I will. I'm in France. Let's... And then if anything happens to me over there, like international incident. Yeah. Bruh. I'm gonna use you as a reference, right? So, like, you ain't got no, you ain't got no international warrants or nothing, right? No, 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 we're good. You could send me one of those videos of saying you're trapped somewhere, and I'll be able to get you out. <laughs> I don't want to be on National Geographic, like. I got you. You're good. Overseas in jail. Who, who may or may not be in that lost podcast? John Daly. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. Well, let's see if we can locate that while we're trying to locate you in better part of Europe. Um. <laughs> Safe travels. Thanks, man. As always, thanks for the list and the download. Again, at Maddie and Caddy, M-A-T-T-Y, the word and, C-A-D-D-I-E, both Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe, download, rate, and listen. For the Caddy. Michael Collins. I'm the Maddie, Matt Barry. Parlez-vous, Francois. Bonsoir. Francois. That's our French. That's our episode. Have a great week. French fries. Thanks for listening to Maddie and the Caddy. Check out more great ESPN podcasts in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maddie and the Caddy.